as we give attention this morning to the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed Be Thy Name, we turn in Holy Scripture to Psalm 99. Psalm 99, the Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity, thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou took vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. Lord's A 47 gives us an exposition of the first petition in question and answer 122. Which is the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. That is... Grant us first rightly to know Thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise Thee in all Thy works in which Thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further also that we may so order and direct our whole lives our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 99 proclaims the glory of God. It emphasizes the truth that he is holy, set apart from all that is called creature, and therefore the one who alone is to be glorified as God alone in all the earth. The Bible throughout proclaims that truth and calls us to humble ourselves before God and to praise his holy name. We often hear Psalm 99, verse 5, used as the call to worship. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, 
for he is holy. But Jesus also taught us to pray in the consciousness of that truth. So the first petition that he gave us in the Lord's Prayer is, Hallowed be thy name. And as the Catechism explains, that means something first with application to our approach to our Heavenly Father in prayer. That is, grant us first rightly to know thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works in which thy power Wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. But this petition, when prayed from the heart in true faith, is a petition that reaches into our daily lives. When we pray this from the heart, then our desire, as the Catechism expresses it, is also that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. In the first petition, we express our prayer that God be glorified. As we consider this first petition of the prayer Jesus gave us, we notice, first of all, a God rightly known. Secondly, a God who must be glorified. And finally, we notice here a unique petition. Our prayer that God be glorified is a petition that acknowledges that God is to be rightly known by those who call upon him. The first petition uses a term that's rarely used anymore today, a term that's considered archaic. That term hallowed, or to hallow, simply means to make holy, or to be honored as holy. Implied, therefore, is that God has made himself known, and that it is our desire rightly to know him and according to that knowledge to treat him, to face him. God is known in all his names. First of all, we might, we might consider God's name and God has revealed himself by many names, but we might consider God's name shorthand for God himself. His names reveal something about who he is and what he is like. The name by which he reveals himself in any given portion of scripture says something about his being, his honor, his attributes. There's an intimate link between God and his name. So when the psalmist says, in Psalm 99, the Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. God is telling us that his name, Yahweh, or Jehovah, translated in our English version by Lord in all capital letters, 
not only reveals that he is the I am, the unchangeably faithful covenant God, but it tells us that as Jehovah, he is absolutely set apart. The God who reigns over all. He's absolutely sovereign. The Lord is great in Zion. And he is high above all the people. There is none in the earth that can be compared to him. He's exalted over all. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. When you understand that intimate connection between God himself and his name, you can understand why such emphasis is given in Scripture to the importance of honoring his name. When the Bible speaks of God as holy, that means, among other things, he's entirely consecrated to himself. And all that he does... He does for the sake of his own name, his own glory. Let me point to just two passages that demonstrate that. In Ezekiel chapter 36, the prophet is given to proclaim the promise of God to cleanse Israel and to return them to the promised land. And he would do that by giving them a new heart putting a new spirit within them. He says in verse 27, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall do my judgments. Ye shall keep my judgments and do them. But in giving that promise to Ezekiel to proclaim, the Lord also said, Going back to verses 22 and 23, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. To point to one other text that emphasizes the truth that God does all for his own namesake, David, in Psalm 25, verse 11, prays in the knowledge of that truth. For thy namesake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Your salvation and mine is accomplished by God for his namesake, for his own glory. Because of the greatness of his name, because in his name he reveals himself as our Father for Jesus' sake, we are taught to express our desire in prayer 
that we might rightly know him. The infinite God comes down to the finite creature and speaks to that creature, to you and to me, in language that we can understand. But to rightly know him, we are dependent upon him and the work of his spirit. Bear in mind, fundamentally, this petition is that God's name might be glorified by us. But to that end, we must know him. We must rightly know him. We must be jealous for the truth, beloved. To depart from the truth is to detract from the glory of God's name. So that also means when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are asking our Heavenly Father to faithfully maintain for us the means by which we might rightly know him. We are praying, grant us thy grace that the preaching of thy word be preserved in truth. That must be our prayer. Father, give us thy grace that the catechism instruction and the instruction we give our children in the home and the instruction they receive in the school be in harmony with thy truth. But that also implies that the prayer, hallowed be thy name, means that we are praying that we might be faithful in using those means. If we're not faithfully using those means, if we are neglecting the faithful preaching, if we are not teaching our children faithfully God's truth, we cannot truthfully pray, hallowed be thy name. God reveals himself in truth. God gives us a hunger for his truth, for knowing him, for glorifying him. That comes to expression in the petition, hallowed be thy name. But besides his proper names by which he reveals himself to us, and reveals who he is and what he is like, he also stands before us in his names, in all his works. Again, let us understand that when we say that God stands before us in all his works, we are speaking from the perspective of being those who stand in this covenant relationship with him as those redeemed. We see God's works, in other words, in the light of the gospel. That's the only way we can talk about his works, giving a clear display of his power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth. We look at his works in the light of Christ, and through the lenses of the scripture. And it's important that we understand that. We're speaking about the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. 
We are confessing in our prayer that we are calling upon the name of our Heavenly Father. Because the fact is, those who are still in darkness, the darkness of spiritual death, cannot see Christ and cannot see God's wisdom and goodness and mercy and truth. They see his power. They are given a sense of his justice because they live as do we in the midst of death. The name of God that they see, therefore, is the name of wrath. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 1 verse 18. Only in Christ, therefore, do we see beyond the wrath, do we see deliverance. Do we see salvation? Do we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? In that light, we are able to see clearly displayed in all his works the magnitude of his glory. We are given to see not only his power, but his wisdom and goodness. We are given to see his justice, but also his mercy. As his children, we are able to discern the truth by the anointing of his Holy Spirit abiding in us. 1 John 2, verse 27. And therefore also, in all his works, viewed in the light of the scriptures, we see Jesus we see the unfolding of the truth of his testimony in Proverbs chapter 8. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me princes reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. And therefore praying, hallowed be thy name, We long to know our Heavenly Father in the face of Jesus Christ. We long to see His works in the light of His Son, in the light of His own dear Son, our Lord and Savior. But we long to know Him to this end, that we might sanctify, glorify, and praise Him. That brings me to my second main point this morning. The God to whom we pray is the God who must be glorified by us. We, his people, must esteem his holiness, treasure who he is to us, 
and value his glory above all. And that's why Jesus gave us this first petition. It's the petition of priority for us. Our chief concern in prayer is not our own comfort and the seeking of our own desires or even needs. Our chief concern is to be God's glory. Now you realize that no one can add to God's glory. This petition is not that there are needs of God that must be accomplished by our prayers. God is perfectly self-sufficient. None can add to his glory. The prayer, therefore, is that God's glory and holiness be known and loved. That his name receive the honor that it deserves. We must realize that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, to use the language of 1 Peter 2 verse 9, that we should show forth his praise. His election of us in Christ, our predestination unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, was, in the words of Ephesians 1 verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. He has formed us to show forth his praise. Isaiah 43 verse 21. Just a few weeks ago, in our consideration of the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, we stood reminded of the biblical truth, the biblical concept of stewardship. When the idea of stewardship is brought to our attention, we, we often think of that concept in terms of, of our handling of money and of material things. But we must not forget, we are stewards of God's name. But you realize that for the faithful exercise of that stewardship, we are entirely dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus taught us to pray this petition. We seek his grace in the knowledge of our dependence upon him. Approaching him as his children, heirs of the everlasting covenant of grace, we pray for grace that his name might be sanctified in us, that we might live in the knowledge of him as the God of our salvation, and that therefore our hearts and lives bring that knowledge to expression, to his glory and praise. When our heart, after all, is the sanctuary of the name of our God, then our lips shall praise him. Then we will acknowledge all that we have is of our Heavenly Father. All the right knowledge, all wisdom, all love, 
all the righteousness that we have as members of his family is all of him. In addition, the petition, hallowed be thy name, is the prayer that we may also so order and direct our lives, our thoughts, words, and actions that the name of our Heavenly Father may never be blasphemed, but rather glorified and praised on our account. This indicates that the name of God must have its sanctuary in our hearts. Rightly to know God is not merely an intellectual exercise. Rightly to know God is to know Him in the intimacy of that relationship in which we stand to Him as our Father who is in heaven. It's the knowledge, therefore, of faith. The knowledge of which Jesus speaks in his high priestly prayer in John 17, verse 3. It's the knowledge of the mind, to be sure. But it's the knowledge of the regenerated heart. So I say that name of God must have sanctuary in our hearts in our regenerated heart, because from the heart flow all the issues of life. All our life, our love, our adoration, or as the Catechism says, our thoughts, words, and actions flow from that heart that loves God's name. And therefore it is our desire in our whole life that all our thoughts, words, and actions be ordered and directed to the honor and praise of God's name. Our desire in this petition is a desire that we speak not a word that has not been sanctified by the knowledge of God's great and glorious name. and the praise of our God. Our desire in this petition is that our eyes not see and delight in what is not to God's honor and praise. It's our longing in this prayer that we not succumb to that which our ears might hear which is not to God's honor and praise. This prayer, Guy expresses our desire that our thoughts not be guided by our sinful lusts, by our earthly desires, by the prevalent thoughts of the world that surround us, but that our thoughts be directed by the knowledge of the greatness and glory of our wonderful God. 
This petition expresses to our Heavenly Father our fervent desire that all our actions be directed to the honor and praise of His most glorious name. And then the Catechism calls our attention to the stark reality that our lives influence others. What we do and what we say influences others. And it does, the Catechism calls attention to that by pointing out that it is possible that our lives cause God's name to be blasphemed. Our words and actions, even our thoughts, as they come to expression in our words and actions, affect others. Let me apply this first to home life. I had a conversation the other day with a woman whose daughter is in high school and her daughter has the desire to pursue a college degree which will enable her to work with troubled youth. So we talked briefly about the mental health crisis in our country. Not all but many of those young people and young adults suffer from the effects of a horrible home life. You want to work with troubled youth, you'd better be prepared to see things that you would rather not see. To see home situations that are most appalling and pitiful. That mental health crisis that we are observing in our community and country often comes to expression in the self-destructive behaviors of young people, but sometimes in criminal acts. Do a study of the criminal mind and of those notable criminal acts even in recent history. And while we understand the biblical truth of total depravity means, as Solomon expresses it in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3, that the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and their madness is in their heart while they live, it's also true that that madness, to use the language of Scripture, is often fueled or triggered by a devastating home life. A broken home, where, or a home where the self-seeking of father or mother leaves a child to himself, perhaps a home where there is physical or even sexual abuse, perhaps a home where there is drug or alcohol abuse. And the point I would make in this connection is not to analyze the troubled world of the unbelieving, 
The point I would make is that our lives affect and influence those around us. We need to remember that. Especially when it comes to our marriages and our family life. If we are to pray this petition, as Jesus taught us, we are to express our fervent desire that our lives be not stumbling blocks to others, including our children. And if our lives are not to be stumbling blocks, we are to be living to the honor and praise of our Heavenly Father. That must be our prayer. That must be our prayer because such a life is dependent upon God and the work of His Holy Spirit in us by His Word. The church also must be such a beacon to God's glory and praise. Again, we pray not just as individuals. We pray as members of the family of God. The church also must be a sanctuary to the praise of God's name and therefore a beacon of His truth. When a congregation becomes known not by the truth of the gospel that it proclaims, which truth is reflected in the lives of its members, but when it becomes known by its sins, by its division, by its defilement of God's glory, it not only destroys its witness, but it causes the enemies to blaspheme the name of God whom the church represents. Let's remember that. Let's not hinder the church's witness. And let us pray with urgency, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But that's true in every aspect of life. Not just in the home and church, but in the school, in the workplace, in our daily labor, and the relationships in which we stand in the various callings God has given us. We are taught by our Lord to pray, Hallowed be thy name, That is, so order and direct our lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. This is our solemn calling before God. And this is also the urgency of this petition. Finally, let's notice this petition is a unique petition. This first petition really guides and governs the entire prayer given us by our Lord. 
when we are truly seeking God's glory, all the following petitions of our prayer will be subservient to that. Then we will pray, Thy kingdom come. Knowing that the ushering in of God's kingdom is the accomplishment of the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus to the glory of God's name. To pray thy will be done can only be done when we know that God works his own will also in our lives to the praise of the glory of his grace. And so it is true in the remaining petitions Jesus taught us to pray. All flow out of God's desire to glorify himself and our desire to recognize in our lives that God is God alone. He's the God of infinite perfection to whom alone belongs glory both now and forever. Understanding this is also humbling. Because when God taught us to pray this way, he was showing to us our need. Our great need. How often do we pray seeking God's glory first? How often do we violate in our own lives the truth that God is to be glorified in all that we think and do? Do you see what I said? I think it was two weeks ago, the introduction to prayer. When I said that our smallest children can learn this prayer, very quickly. It's a very simple prayer. But it takes a lifetime to learn its meaning. We must be able to say, in all the circumstances and trials of our lives, even as we are brought before the knowledge of our own sin, Father, hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us first rightly to know Thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise Thee in all Thy works in which Thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. But this unique petition is ours, given us by Jesus because we belong to him. And our sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven God must hallow his name in us 
So we pray. Because we are His people, regenerated. Because we are His living children, we have life. Life which depends upon Him. Life which lays hold of our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore, life which also comes to expression in gratitude to the God of our salvation. And belonging to that gratitude is also this petition. We look not to ourselves, but to the grace of God. God must sanctify and glorify His name in us. And He must do so continually throughout our lives and does so he glorifies himself in us. And so he receives from us the glory due unto his name. Amen. Father, we long to praise thy name. We love thee. We love thee knowing by thy word that thou hast loved us in Christ Jesus and that to the glory of thy name. Give us thy grace to pray from the heart. Hallowed be thy name. Amen.